You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Out of you, from within, shall flow to every dry place, to cause things that have withered to start flourishing. Holy Spirit flowing like liquid fire, like rivers of living water. Right here in our midst, from this sanctuary, and all over the world. It's not going to happen, it's happening now. Wherever people are found, wherever there is a living entity, right in your living room, right where you're watching, right where you're connecting, a spirit that moved in the beginning upon the chaotic situation and brought a glorious transformation. That is the spirit that brings and births the kingdom, that brings the order and the righteousness and the peace and the joy of the kingdom. It's all by that spirit. So it's not me going to do the job. It's the spirit and it's happening already. Your life your heart, your home, and everything that pertains to you, wherever they, are, they, are, they can be found, wherever they are, everything and everyone that is connected with you is experiencing the fluttering influence of the Spirit, the brooding influence of the Spirit, the hovering influence, the incubating influence. It's a force, it's a pressure. Is an exacting of force from heaven to bring the purpose of God, the plan of God, your destiny to reality, to cover you with glory, remove shame and reproach. And this day it is being fulfilled. You came out, you came in here. As a certain person, you're going out a more glorious person. You came on a certain frequency at a certain level by the move of the Spirit, by the influence of the Spirit, by the utterance of the Spirit. By the impartation of the Spirit. By the revelation of the Spirit. There is an elevation to ensure that you don't go the same level you came in. They go from strength to strength. There's no diminishing in the kingdom under the influence of the Spirit. Receive it. So Holy Spirit will just acknowledge your sovereignty. We know you're not just a force. Though you move like a force. You're not just wind or breath. You're not dove. You are a personality. 
an entity of the same nature, the same standard, the same capacity, the same quality as the Father and as the Son. Jesus said, it's you that is in charge of this dispensation. You are the one that Jesus sent back as the other comforter. Exactly like him. You're the one with us. You're the one in charge. You're the Lord of this dispensation. For the Lord is that spirit. And the spirit is Lord. So we honor you. For Jesus said, even when we baptize people, we should do it the same way in the name, the honor we attribute to the Father and the Son, also to the Spirit. Wherever you are honored as Lord, there is liberty. Thank you because you are present. Take your rightful place. Not just in our midst, but in our hearts. For no one knows the things of God but by you. There are things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, that it's never entered to the heart of anyone. That have been prepared for us. The glory ordained for us before the world began. That only you is bringing them by revelation. So take over tonight. Come to the level of every individual. Take us from where we have been to where we are meant to be. We promise we will give all the glory to Jesus. The joy, the excitement, the sense of fulfillment will be our portion. The disgrace, the shame, the frustration will be for the evil one, the ruler of darkness. Your kingdom will advance. Your church edified. The enemy is terrified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name we worship. All right, God bless you. Let's be seated. Okay, we're seated already. Let's appreciate this uh, powerful, powerful worship ministers. Tonight, we're progressing. I haven't dealt with uh, our personal and global crisis a little last night with Christ kingdom mentality. It's just, just an introduction. We're going to make some progress tonight by the grace of God. And uh, since the theme of the program is from faith to faith, I want to do at least two points introduction about faith, the concept of from faith to faith. And that will be at least two out of my ten points agenda for tonight. All right? The message tonight is connected with faith, but is also connected with kingdom.
Praise the Lord. So I titled it, Faith to Possess the Kingdom of Heaven Now. Faith for possessing the kingdom of heaven now. So we need to understand the concept of faith that can make that happen. And then we need to deal with some, some myth, some mythical belief, some false notions, better still, some misconception. Both about faith and about the kingdom of heaven. We need to sort out some complications. So that we can see if truly it's possible to not only assess but possess the kingdom of heaven while we're still on earth. Um, to make it happen now. So I can assure you, your faith needs an upgrade. All right, so let me stay on track tonight. And thank you, Irene, and whoever decided to bring this here. I'd like to be closer to the people. I don't know why they put preachers far away. <laughs> Praise God. All right. The first point I want to give in my introduction is the fact that there are different types of faith. That's point one. I will deal with that quickly. And point two, there are different levels of faith. So point one is what? There are different types of faith or kinds of faith. Point two is what? There are different levels of faith. Come on now. You're on. Tell, tell your neighbor, I can feel you. I can feel you are on. You're ready. In de dealing with different types or kinds of faith, I just stay with two tonight. That's the point one. So you see, they are all twins. Okay, they come in double form. Of course, you know, there are different religious kind of faith. There are different religions that are called faith. There is the Islamic faith. There is the Christian faith. Is that right? There is the Buddhist faith. Help me now. Come on, the other one. The Sangoma faith. Yeah, yeah. What are you pretending? We are, we're in Africa, aren't we? <laughs> Alright? And even New Age movement is a kind of faith. No, no, no. But that's not what we're dealing with tonight. We're dealing with the supernatural faith of Christ in two forms. The faith of Christ, as a matter of fact, is not the faith of the Christian religion. Christianity has become a religion. That is becoming 
so diametrically opposed to Jesus' idea of faith. There's a lot of things happening now that has happened and still happening in the name of Christianity that has nothing to do with what Jesus brought. And we need to sort that out. That's why Christianity is discrediting the faith of Christ. In many places. When the real faith of Christ manifests and is crystallized, the people of the world want nothing but that faith. There have been a misrepresentation of Christ, of his mission, and his faith. There's been what? A misrepresentation. And why God is gathering us together and raising some of us and anointing us is to bring a representation. To represent is to represent what has been misrepresented. Come on, talk with me now. Say, I am meant to represent Christ and his faith by representing the real faith. So you can't represent without representing something. Because some stuff were presented to you and told people that is not real. So if we're going to represent the king, we need to represent what is being wrongly presented. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, so, two types of Christ supernatural faith that also needs amendment. Okay? Many preachers of great qualities and ability articulate, you know, charismatic, anointed, powerful, presented the faith of Christ as a basket faith. For a long time, especially in the Pentecostal fold, that's metamorphosed to charismatism, the charismatic movement. What preachers and many believers, many adherents, knew and settled for about the faith of Christ is basket faith. You know, basket, you just used to collect items. Right. Come on, talk with me. Say basket faith. That's a type of faith. You know, it's for shopping. You know, when you go to the shopping mall and you have your, you know, trolley and your basket for shopping. So you just name it and claim it. Basket faith. Now, you need to understand where I'm coming from. I think it was, uh, yeah, specifically the year 1981 that Jesus appeared to me then the faith movement was exploding across the globe. Came from America. Was exploding in Nigeria. We've, we've moved 
Then the move of God's move from the old holiness movement, you know, the evangelical movement for soul winning and all of that. And this revelation of faith came with glory. Later transmuted to prosperity. That was not how it started. Now, when this was happening, and I had so many saying, the Lord told me to preach faith. The Lord told me to preach prosperity. Then some people actually say, God told me to preach money. And don't argue and don't disrespect anybody. That, I'm, not, I'm not out to confront controversial issues tonight. But it was around that time that Jesus appeared to me in 81. And he says, go teach my people the way of righteousness. I didn't like it. Why don't you tell me to go preach money? Money comes now. Come on. And teach the people of God what money can do. Because you don't know what money can do, you know. I'll probably be flying my own jet now. <laughs> okay, come back. So, well, he didn't say go preach prosperity, go preach money. And I'm not saying people that you know, said God asked them to preach that wrong. But I was so righteousness. That's a tough one. Plus, I, I didn't even understand what righteousness was or what it is. I thought it's with tears. I thought it's legalistic do's and don'ts. I thought the tougher, the better. And it took me years. Listen, when God speaks one thing to you, I can assure you, it's going to take years for you to figure out what he said. And even at the tail end of your life, you just be saying, wow, that's what he said. For real. That's why it's exciting walking with God. <laughs> it's a journey of discovery. Amen. So he said, go teach my people the way of righteousness. But I saw once in a while when I stumble on faith and I, you know, it's like the spirit pushes me and says, talk about faith. And I teach faith. Of course, my wife is my greatest fan. So we say, wow! And people will say, oh, you are really a faith teacher. You, you need to stay with this. And I will, I will smack myself like Jesus told you to teach righteousness. How dare you? You teach faith. I deal with myself. I didn't know that Romans 1 says righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. So Jesus was just trying to give me the vehicle to deliver the righteousness. But then I saw that the faith that people were teaching, that we were taught, was basket faith. And I heard the Lord say to me, Bible faith is not basket faith. Sure, it's a handle to handle some things. It's a means of receiving. For without faith, no one can receive anything from God. Are you listening? But it's just a little perversion. It's a little deviation. Faith is not about seeing physical things and claiming them. That is another form of presenting covetousness. 
Covetousness is what you see with your eye when you are being led and being ruled with your eyes when your eyes controls your mind and determines what you claim and what you pray. That's not faith. That's covetousness. Faith is seeing spiritual things that are not visible in the natural and lay hold on them to bring them to the natural. Faith sees, but not with the physical eyes. Come on now. Faith uses the eyes of your heart to see what no physical eyes can see. And lay hold on them. Well, even when they are out there, those things are far away. Faith pulls them closer. And you embrace them. And in most cases, there is no point of reference around. It is those who don't believe that Satan blinds. Faith sees. But not by looking at the things that are seen with the physical eyes. Come on now. Okay, so, basket faith is shopping, literally. I see your car, I see your suit, I see your house, I see your wife. Right. I see your jet, your husband. Come on now. I see your... Lead vocal and your keyboard is, and I claim them by faith. Problem that's basket turns everything to an item. Problem is, I'm no longer seeing things that God wants to bring into the natural. Okay, so. If I go on that, there is a translation that presents Hebrews chapter 11. I think it's the Message Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Message Bible actually says, if you read it now, that faith is a handle. Not just, not just a basket. Okay, but let's come back. If Bible faith is not basket faith, I ask the Lord, what is it? And he told me, Bible faith is battle faith. It's not basket, it's battle. It's not for shopping, it's for fighting. Are we talking? Come and talk with me. Say, Bible faith is not basket faith, it's battle faith. Listen, when you know how to use your faith to fight battles, you have more than what your basket can collect. The spoils of war, the spoils of battle, is more than what you use shopping basket to collect. But if you don't know how to use faith for battle, and you're just shopping... You and all your items in your basket will be overrun. 
assure you. Okay, so let's cut it because that is point one. Two types of the faith of Christ. So let me give you two scriptures so you don't say the guy's just talking. It's Bible talking. The first scripture is Ephesians. We read yesterday Ephesians 6 verse 12 where we saw that human and global crisis come from another dimension. Right? And that's why the solution got to come from another dimension that transcend this world. That was our Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.16, verse 16, of course, you know, the whole thing is together, but we can't deal with that. That's real scripture for warfare. But look at what it says about faith. Above all, taking, not once, is a present continuous. So faith is not what you did once when you had need and you wanted to claim this and you needed that. Or you needed to get out of trouble. Some people use their faith as their spare tire. You know, you don't need to check your spare tire when the tire is working well. So some people have kept their spare tire from the time they bought a the car. They've never checked it. Until you hit the highway and something happened, and then you check, the spare tire is flat. The, f- the spare tire is, is more flat than the flat tire. All right. Come on, help me push somebody and say, Faith is not spare tire, it's the one you run with, it's the one you live on. The Bible says that just shall live by faith. You move by faith. You walk by faith. You travel by faith. You stand by faith. As a matter of fact, one scripture says, without faith you have no leg to stand upon. And that's message Bible. I think it's... Um, I think it's Isaiah, Isaiah 7 somewhere, where he says, except you believe, you will not be established. You remember that scripture? Huh? You remember that scripture? Except you believe, you will not be established. Isn't that Isaiah? Come on now. <laughs> it's, some, it's not Isaiah 7, 14. That's the one that talks about the virgin uh, conceiving. But this Isaiah that says, except you believe, surely you will not be established. You remember that? Look for it. Come on now. You're supposed to be Bible student. I'm the professor. I'm the lecturer. So come on, give it to me. Where is it? It's on the screen. Oh, is that PD? Thank you. Look at that. The last part of uh, Isaiah 7 9. What does it say there? Surely, if you will not believe surely, you should not be Now, can you put the message of this translation? I hope it is. Look at that. If you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. Help me tell somebody, if you're not standing by faith, you have no leg to stand on. Which means you're on crutches. So I just say that to tell you that faith is not spare tire. It's the two legs you stand on. 
If not, you're not standing at all. Praise God. Thank you. Come on. Is that PD? Come on, PD. The anointing is in the air. The hairstyle. That's where the anointing comes through. Give PD a big clap of a friend. If you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. So it's not spare time. Taking the shield of faith. Oh, shield is like bulletproof. It's a protector. And he said you have to keep taking it. You don't say, I, I did last year, I did the other time. But now, taking the shield of faith, we're back to Ephesians 6.16. What do you do with the shield of faith? For shopping? For buying stuff and collecting stuff and claiming stuff? If it's, no, no, go back to the uh, if, Ephesians 6, 16, the other translation. Okay, don't do the message now. That the message is for special effect. <laughs> PD, only bring message for special effect. Taking the shield of faith with which you will do what? You'll be able to buy stuff. You'll be able to claim stuff. You'll be able to do what? Quench all fairy darts of the wicked one. If you put amplifier, it's talking about missiles like bullets. Then there were no missiles and bullets. They call it fairy arrows. Fairy darts. They're missiles. What does he put there? Did you see that? Lift up over all the covering, the shield of saving faith, upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. So listen, we saw yesterday that someone going about looking who to devour, right? Like a lion. He shoots missiles. Satan is shooting. He's firing indiscriminately. At random. He's the greatest terrorist there is. He doesn't believe in conventional warfare. He does asymmetric war. He shoots. And the Bible says, your only mode of surviving is to know how to be taking your shield of faith to quench the missiles. So, I, I like to be very inquisitive with God. So, I ask God, what if I don't feel like taking my shield of faith? He said, guess what? The missiles will hit you. That's why many believers are hit. It's just not that you don't feel like, but many don't even know how to. What if you think your faith is meant for shopping and the missile is coming? So come on now. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, talk with me. Say, Bible faith is battle faith. It's not basket. Never forget that. I told you, you're going to make a mess of your crisis. From now, by reason of this, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. Do you know that is not a prayer? That's a statement of fact. 
You're going to waste all the missiles of the enemy. Because, and I, I tell people in my country, because people like to pray all kind of crazy prayer. In the name of warfare. Now, and they're asking God to kill people and kill my enemy and kill my neighbor and kill my landlord. Some even want God. Sorry. Some want God to. Listen now. Some want God to kill their spouse. To legalize the illegitimate relationship. So you literally hear faith people praying for people to die. And Jesus said, you don't know the spirit you receive from me. Are you listening? So I hear people pray a lot of crazy prayer. Among the prayer they pray, they assume that everyone is a perceived enemy. Your boss in the office is your enemy. You get what I'm saying? Everyone is an enemy. And so, they believe people are attacking them. They haven't read, you're not fighting flesh and blood. By the way, if people are against you and fighting you and you kill all of them, then you are out of the competition. The Bible says God wants to prepare a table before you. In the presence. In the presence of your enemies. That's a sweeter victory. That proves superiority of firepower. When the enemy is still there and the provision is made by God, is it that the enemy is already crippled, paralyzed? He can't touch the table? Or maybe the table is too high? Or the enemy is overwhelmed? Whichever, God says, don't bother about the enemy. They're no problem to me. I would do what I would do in their presence. And they can't stop it. Case in point, Joseph in Egypt. His brother were alive and they're coming to see it. Is that right? Potiphar's wife, Madam Potiphar, was alive. Have you imagined that? Have you imagined that? Now, this is why be careful how you pray against your crisis. Be careful. Listen, Joseph will have been praying in the prison. God, you know I didn't do anything. You know the woman lied against me. So just one request. Let Mrs. Potiphar not have rest of mind until she confessed with her mouth to her husband that I didn't do anything. Vindicate me. Oh God! No peace for the wicked Potiphar's wife. So I can get back to my job. Just to prove to people that I'm innocent. And if God granted the prayer, he's back to slavery. A lot of prayer we're praying for God to get you out of the crisis. You want to go back to bondage. Unfortunately, there's no reverse gear in God's automobile. <laughs> he doesn't take you back. <laughs> Come on now. Okay, so, but Joseph learned to say, okay, let me rejoice. Let me enjoy where I am on the way to where I'm going. Let's cheer up. 
Even you guys that are in prison because you're guilty, don't be downcast. God is good. <laughs> All the time. He's faithful. Forget about Miss Potiphar. I think God is walking towards something. I don't really understand. At the end of the whole thing, God used the prison that Mrs. Potiphar sent her, him into to lift up Joseph to the palace. And the day of his inauguration ceremony, when Joseph was being sworn in as a prime minister of Egypt, Mrs. Potiphar was in attendance. She was, yes. Isn't that better? <laughs> your enemy are going to witness your inauguration ceremony. So help me tell somebody, don't kill nobody. They need to see the glory. I imagine you say, Madam Potiphar, don't worry. Everything is okay. I know why you did what you did. And he did, did the same thing to his brothers. So God told me, don't kill your enemies. Don't even bother about it. So when he says no weapon fastened against you shall prosper. Right? He said, don't bother about the weapon. Just be taking faith. Learn how to live by faith. And the weapons would be futile. Did you get that? So I tell them in my country because I hear them part of the prayer to pray is back to sender. Have you heard that before? Back to sender. Back to sender. Back to sender. I said, that's Nigerian prayer, right? You, have you been around some Nigerian churches? South Africans are too smart to pray that kind of prayer. You don't do it. You're too smart. So the problem with that prayer is this. It means the weapon is still potent. And you're sending it back to sender. If it's still potent, you send it back, you just rearm them. It's like I threw a grenade and it didn't explode. And you take it and throw it back to me. It hasn't exploded. Then I throw it back. It's going to explode on somebody. But listen. God's concept is. Once a weapon is used against you. It's no longer potent. So why use the same weapon to the enemy? As a matter of fact, if they speak evil, you speak good. If they curse you, you bless. That's more potent. Did you see that? It's upgrade of your mentality. Even in warfare. So, I can go on, on, on. But we're not dealing with warfare tonight. I went to a Nigerian church. Very big Nigerian church. Warfare church. If I mention the name now, I'm sure they're around here. Very big. And Pastor Eric knows about this. When I was less mature, I would have mentioned the name. <laughs> but now I'm an ambassador, so I need to be diplomatic. <laughs> that's, that's what kingdom does to you. 
Anyway, I went to this church and there was big gathering, thousands of people, and it was worth it. They were hosting an international preacher. And then the guy said he wouldn't preach in the morning. So I was part of the people in the planning committee. And they said, that guy that spoke to us when we were praying and preparing, let him speak this morning. So before the morning I was going to speak, I attended the warfare prayer of the big church. Oh, my goodness. And I had people saying, die, 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 die. My mother-in-law, die. Die. If it's my husband, die. Anybody, die. Appear, die. Demons, die. Satan, die. Oh my goodness. For the first time I was in a prayer meeting, I'm, I'm saying the real stuff. Some people were there with me. And I couldn't pray. I was just watching. I was just watching. The people that didn't allow me to make progress, die. My boss, die. My driver, duh. <laughs> my nanny, duh. So I'm thinking, oh my God, there's a problem here. Where are we going to bury all these people? <laughs> who is going to bury who? So well, then when, when the session was over, I was asked to come and wrap up the prayer. That was a big mistake. That was a once-upon-a-lifetime mistake. They made the mistake, and they will never make it again. That was before the day I'm going to preach. So I got a microphone. You know, God gives some people different gifts. He gives me the gift of mouth. So I said, wow, it's been a very hot time of prayer. I said, the only problem is, I hear you asking people to die, God to kill people. Because you say, some people are using remote control against me to make me go to where I don't want to go, to make me do what I don't want to do. All of them die. So I said, wait a minute. You didn't think about why the remote control is working against you. It's because there's a component in you that resonates with the remote control. I said, listen, I want to agree with you. Some forces are using remote control. Maybe they are not human. But why don't you destroy the component that responds to the remote control in you? Then the remote control and the user of the control is useless. Because your remote control for the AC cannot start your car. Right now. So I said, the real warfare is inside you. And I saw they were giving, turn on the mic, turn on the mic. Where is it coming from? I, I was still talking and the mic was going on. I was talking. That was first and last. So no weapon fashions are prosper. Do you know even your past error, your mistakes, when the devil uses your past against you, it's no longer potent. And if you're really going to be smart, 
If there's anything you have done in the past that Satan is keeping as a weapon, use it first. Listen, that's why the Bible says, confess your fault. Once you shoot that confession, the weapon is no longer, the bullet is no longer potent. That's free of charge, okay? So taking this shield of faith is because you quench the fiery missile, the flaming missiles. That's why no weapon fast not prosper. And that's why you don't send it back to sender. Okay? First Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. So faith in Bible's perspective is about fighting. It's not about shopping. It's a fighting mentality. How are we talking? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we stayed long on that. So let's move on. Let's move on. There are different levels of faith. I've reserved the other aspect of fighting to the level. You hear Jesus constantly address his disciple. If you read Matthew chapter 6, small fact from verse 22 to 33. It's in 33. It says, but seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and other things will be added, right? Now, but he started by saying, why are you worrying about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, the house you live in? Why are you worrying about these things? Don't you think your heavenly father is a responsible father? Right? And he says, these are the things that people that don't know God worry about. But your father knows you need these things. Is that right? Then Jesus was speaking, and he said, Oh, ye of little faith. So there is a level of faith called little faith. Even among the people of God. How do we know? Listen now, you got to locate yourself. How do we know your faith is little? As a matter of fact, it is the littleness of your faith that makes you turn your faith to basket. You, you don't know the potential of your faith. So you think it's for shopping. It's like you give a little baby something so powerful and the baby thinks it's a toy. Your faith wasn't given to you as a toy for shopping. It's not a little thing that you use. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How do I get a car? The faith Christ brings is too big, too powerful. It's not that it's wrong to get those things. When your faith improves, you discover those things are granted. Jesus said, he didn't say you won't have them. He says, don't seek them. That if you seek kingdom and right standing, which is perpendicular alignment. All these things you are using your faith to shop for will be automatically granted. So it is the littleness of your faith that, think you, that makes you think you need to pray and fast and do vigil for some provision to be made. 
So you kept hearing Jesus saying, Oh, you have little faith. Don't you know your father can do better? Is that right? Then when they were in crisis in Matthew chapter 14, and the storm came and they were going to get drowned, and they were crying, they were struggling, they discovered the storm that was trying to drown them was under the feet of Jesus. Jesus was walking upon the storm. And when they saw him again, their faith told them, that's the demon that is trying to drown us. He's coming. Misfired word of knowledge. <laughs> Inaccurate discerning of spirit. And Jesus said, no. That says little faith. That says misuse of faith. It's not a demon. It's me coming. He said, it is I. So when your faith is little, even when God is walking upon your crisis to come deliver you, you think again is double devil. But listen now, because God cannot come without some stuff moving, without some shaking, without some storm, without a wild wind. So a whole lot of time, it is God zooming in. That is causing the vibration and the tension. But your little faith tells you, Oh, finally the devil is coming to drown me. Jesus said, Oh, you have little faith. Then Peter said, If it's you, tell me to come also. Jesus said, Come. Now there are different schools of thought about that. And those that say Peter is over ambitious. But at least he stepped out of the boat. <laughs> He just said, uh, you are my leader. You are my master. If you're the one, at least I can imitate what you're doing. Just give me the instruction. So a whole lot of interpretation. People say, because Jesus said, come. Peter didn't walk on water. He walked on come. See? O. M. E. Then there was nothing anymore to walk. And he said, Allah, save me. And Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Now, that's how I knew Peter is not a Nigerian. I think he's a South African. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. If Peter happened to be a Nigerian, if it was come, you walked upon. You just said, Master, what did you say again? I said, come. Uh, what, did you, what was that again? Nigerians, you know what I mean. <laughs> Let's, he will keep repeating until he gets there. When you are dealing with Nigeria, you have to think fast. I just happen to know them, you know. I come from above. <laughs> All right, listen. <laughs> now, there are other people that said, Peter should not have even gotten out of the boat at all. And really, if you look at it, Jesus was coming to join them. So why jump out? What point was he trying to make? Where was he going? Because Jesus rescued him and said, let's go back. He didn't say, let's leave them and go. So maybe he should have just stayed. That's another scope of thought. 
And John chapter 6 said, when Jesus got into the boat, they automatically got away. They were going. So there are times what we desire and ask for are not even necessary. It's part of the component of little faith. So anyway, little faith is a level of faith, right? But you hear Jesus say, great is your faith. I have not seen such a great faith in Israel. Not even in Israel. Not among the covenant people. It's in Mary chapter 8, but the better presentation is Luke chapter 7. Where the centurion was presented by the Jewish religious leader and they came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, that centurion is a Roman. He's not a Jew. He's not one of God's covenant people. But he's so good, he has built us a synagogue. And you need to heal his servant. That is in Luke chapter 7. And he says, okay, if you testify about him, I will go. And as Jesus was going, the centurion got message that Jesus was coming. He said, wait a minute, I don't go to synagogue. I don't go to temple. I don't do no religion. I'm a military man. So I understand chain of command. I understand authority. That tells you kingdom faith is not a religious affair. He said, tell him he does not need to come. I'm a commander. If I need something to be done. I have soldiers under me because I'm under higher authority. When I give instruction, they carry it out. As long as I remain under authority, if they don't carry my instruction, it's not me that will deal with them. A higher authority will deal with them. So he says, you are the greatest commander of the whole universe. Just give a command. And Jesus said, what? He didn't quote the Old Testament. He didn't quote Torah. He didn't talk religion. Jesus said, that's great faith. That's right mentality. So that's another type of faith. Great faith is very reasonable. It comes out of sound mind. Are we talking? Yeah, and there's the other woman in Matthew chapter 15. You know, the... The woman that was a Gentile that wanted Jesus to heal her child. And she was shouting. And the disciples said, keep quiet. Jesus didn't answer her. They said, tell her to keep quiet. And later Jesus said to her, um, it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Because Gentiles, it wasn't an insult. It's just a statement of fact. If you were not in covenant with God, you were equal to four-footed animals. For real. Listen. When John the Baptist saw people repenting, he said, you children of snakes. He wasn't insulting them. He was describing their nature. See, if you tell things the way they are spiritually, people will think you are insulting. That's why spiritual people don't talk too much. They don't tell you their real impression. Because if they say it, you will feel insulted. And until you get insulted, you can't get insulted that's going to change the situation. Anyway, you, you get what I'm saying? It's in the insultedness that the saltness comes. 
Anyway, so Jesus said, don't you know it's only people in covenant with God that are children of God? Those who are not are dogs. And it's in the book of Revelation. Outsides are dog. Dogs. You get what I'm saying? God revealed to Peter that Cornelius, the commander of the army, who was praying and fasting, and all his household and his friends, they were wild animals and creeping animals and dirty birds. And he said, Peter, go kill, eat. <laughs> go and feast with them and feast upon them. And Peter didn't know he was talking about people. God was not insulting them. See, our spiritual condition is worse than what we think. Did you get that? When you see your recondition, you will, you will cry out for transformation. Did you get it? Yeah, I mean, Ezekiel was preaching to people and they were stubborn. They didn't respond. For at the time, they felt he's just entertaining us. In Ezekiel 33, they said, his preaching is like good song. Let's go and hear him again. And they were talking against him. And goes, Ezekiel, you're not getting it. You think the people are stubborn? They're not stubborn. They're dry bones. Let me show you their recondition. They are to be pitied. They should not annoy you at all. Don't take it personal. So there are people that are dead spiritually. And you think they just need motivation. How do you motivate cops? Could be anybody. In your family, whoever. Parents, spouse, children, whatever. So... Jesus said to this woman, you know there are people that are dogs because they're not in covenant with God. They, they, they're creeping. They, they, they go on for food. They smell. They sniff. They, you know, they fornicate. They do all the dirty stuff. And we don't give what is for covenant children to them. The woman says, yes, I know that's the reality. But dogs... Eat from what draws from the table of the children. So I'm not asking for the right of children. I just want what can draw from the table of the kids. And she believed that just a crumb from the table will heal my child. Jesus said, that's great faith. So great faith don't get offended when you are confronted with reality. Did you get the point? Jesus, what? I have not seen such faith. Great is your faith. What you want is done. So there is little faith and there is great faith. <laughs> oh God. Our time is up. <laughs> so we will continue tomorrow. But listen. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's enjoy the ride before we stop. Listen. Listen to this. Great faith don't deal with little things. You don't need a bazooka to kill a fly. Do you? Do you, you don't need an armor tank 
to kill a rat. Do you? You don't need a fighter jet to deal with mosquitoes. <laughs> so great faith don't deal with little stuff. And in this faith-to-faith conference, what is happening is this. God is upgrading you from little faith to great faith. And it has to do with your mentality and the application of your faith. You're going to discover there are things you used to pray and cry about that you know more. Your faith just tells you it's settled. It's sorted. It's all sorted. There are things that used to bother you that won't bother you anymore. It's an upgrade. Okay, so let's read Hebrews chapter, chapter 11. Hebrews eleven thirty two. So you see what great faith is used for. Hebrews 11, are we together? And what more shall I say? This guy knows my dilemma. He says, for time will not, time will fail me. Uh-huh. I'm not alone. He says, I have so much to say. I've not even gone more than 20% and time has failed me. <laughs> time shall fail me to tell you about Gideon, about Barak, about Samson, about Jephthah, and also about David and Samuel and the prophets in plural. Each of these are icon on the desktop of your Bible. Or in the firmament of heaven. If you double click, they open, open you to new vistas. About great faith. I don't know why Christians don't see enough movie in the Bible. <laughs> All sort of movie. With these characters. Right? But let's progress. Next verse. Next verse 33. These people through faith shopped. Shopped for what did they shop for? You're not reading your Bible. What were they shopping for with their faith? What did they do with their faith? Subdued. Come on, tell somebody your faith can subdue. Kingdoms. The king and their domain. No one. Kings. There are many kingdoms within the country of South Africa. There are many kingdoms in Nigeria. There are many kingdoms all over Africa. There are many kingdoms all over the world. There are little, little kingdoms. And Pastor Eric mentioned that. In Revelation eleven fifteen, the Bible says what is going to happen finally is that the kingdoms of this world must be subdued to become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Tomorrow morning, I'll tell you the difference between the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Those are two different dimensions. Because tomorrow we're going to see the nature, the scope, and the agent of the kingdom. Then you locate yourself. All right. So he says the kingdoms of this world becomes the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So he shall reign forever and ever. 
The way the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ is when you start subduing kingdom. Come on now. That's the strategy of the devil to make you turn your faith to basket instead of battle. Because you don't subdue kingdom by shopping. You subdue by fighting. Are we talking? You subdue by what? Come on, say upgraded mentality. You subdue by fighting. Right? To subdue king. He said, through faith, not through the bank account. You got nothing to do with your balance. You got nothing to do with the car you ride, the house you live in, the clothes you wear. It doesn't matter whose labor you're wearing. You get what I'm saying? It doesn't matter whose brand, who, not bride, brand. <laughs> it doesn't matter how expensive your wristwatch. That's, that don't subdue kingdom. It's your faith. Now let me talk to you. To subdue kingdom means you carry a superlative kingdom within you. It takes kingdom to subdue kingdom. So we're going to deal with that tomorrow. Are you listening? So which means Christ in you, your faith, the nature of God, the Holy Spirit in you is a kingdom. It's a kingdom of God. And it's superior to all kingdoms. And when you understand it and know how to activate it, you see lesser kingdoms subdued. That's the use of your faith. Jesus said you don't enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except you have something stronger. So you can't subdue kingdoms if you don't have a stronger kingdom within you. That's why Jesus, the Bible says, you got to get to a point where you know greater is he that is in me. And what is out there. And I can tell you, there is no situation in the world that is a match to the faith of the kingdom of Christ. To the spirit of the kingdom. There are lesser kingdoms. Including the kingdom of darkness. In totality. Including hell. So through faith, they subdue kingdom. Right? Thank you. Let's go back to the subdue kingdom. This guy is working smart. They walk righteousness. See, they don't gather righteousness. They walk it out. The Bible says, walk out your salvation. Not walk for your salvation. So he says, God walks in you as a deposit, as a gift, then you walk it out. Righteousness is a deposit, is a gift, then you walk it out by faith. Did you get the point? So faith is meant to express righteousness. It takes faith to express righteousness. It takes faith to be contented, not to be covetous. Hebrews 13 says, Hebrews 13 says, let your life be without covetousness because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you believe that, you're not going to be covetous. He said, then you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. 
So the reason for greed and covetousness and desperation for shopping and using all your prayer and your fasting and your faith and all the church services and the conferences for what can I get? Get what I can, can what I get. It's because you don't have faith that God says, I'm going to be there for you. Jesus said, my father, don't forsake me. How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good. God was with him. So when he needed to feed thousands, it manifests. So it is little faith that makes you think you're limited to the balance in your account. It's little faith. And that can subdue. There's no amount you have in your bank that can subdue kingdom. But your faith can do that. So they subdue kingdom. They walk righteousness. They don't get the point. They don't get the point. The reason for unrighteousness, for perverseness, is faithlessness. That's why Jesus would say, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Perverse generation. When you're faithless, you'll be perverse. To be perverse means crooked. You can't be straight anymore. Anyway, so take faith to work righteousness, to obtain promises. So what you use your faith for is not what your eyes see. It's what you see with the eyes of the Spirit when God speaks to you. It's what you hear from the control tower. Habakkuk said, I will be upon my watch to see what he will say. What you use your faith for is what you see as a result of what God says. When God speaks, you see. And until he speaks, don't see nothing. Don't claim nothing. But once he speaks to you and you see it, you can seize it. Through faith. No, no, go back. Thank you. Go back. Thank you. Through faith, they obtain promises. That is, God speaks like he says to Abraham. You don't have any child? I promise you. You're going to be father of nations. I promise you. Your seed not seeds. Your seed is going to be like stars. Out of one seed, you're going to have people like stars. Come on, come and see that. That was the promise. The moment Abraham saw it, he said, I believe it. I receive it. And the Bible says it was credited as righteousness. That's the promise he obtained. So until God speaks, don't claim nothing. Praise God. When he speaks and you see, nothing can stop it. He says, as far as you see, he's given to you. But he told Moses, you don't need to get to the promised land. Just come up and see it. In the realm of the spirit, what you see is what you have. Come on now. Not what your eyes see. That's why I say we don't look at the natural, at the, the things we see because they are temporary. The things that cannot be seen in the natural, they are the ones that will be permanent. We see them when God speaks. Listen, when Satan speaks, you see. When he spoke to Eve, Eve saw that the bad fruit was good. She saw. Did you get what I'm saying? When spiritual, I'm speaking now, you are seeing some things. That's why when you really communicate effectively with visually impaired people, blind people, when you communicate with them, they say, I see it. That's why when I talk, I ask you to say, I see it. I see it. Because you see on the inside. 
It's like an aircraft. You see in the cockpit, whether in the day or in the night. Once you're up there, you don't see anything outside. Did you get it? Did you get it? God brought the animal to Adam to see what he would call them, not to hear. Because he can't name them except he sees their nature. So when he speaks, God sees whether he has seen their nature. You don't get it. So the promises you claim are the things you see because God spoke to you. You may dream about them. Dream is that God takes you to the future to see what he has for you. And brings you back, wake you up and say, now nah, start walking towards it. By faith. God don't give information. He takes you there for interaction. Did you get it? Powerful stuff. <laughs> okay, so you need to go digest this. This night, doctor, I'm we're talking. <laughs> Good stuff. You've been loaded. To inherit promises. They stop the mouths of lions. So why are you weeping that people are talking against you? They are not lions. <laughs> Your faith can stop the mouth of hungry lions. So that guy, that lady is it's not much. Your faith can silence people. They will change their mind. They will know they misunderstood you. That he didn't know the real person. But it's going to take your faith to do that. Not kind of fight. You don't get it? They stop. The lions wanted to devour them. They stopped them out. They activated angel. They stopped them out. Daniel did it. David did it. Gideon. I mean, Samson of all people. I didn't like Samson to appear in that place. But he made the list. When you activate your faith, your mess is deleted. Deleted, 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 deleted. Did you see that Samson was mentioned, Delilah was not mentioned? It's not relevant. Because Samson didn't die on the lap of Delilah. He died in faith. So he made the heroes of faith. There are people that made it that I didn't like them to be there. They don't allow good church discipline. You know what I mean? Like David. And they didn't mention Bathsheba. So when you activate your faith to possess promises, to obtain promises, your mess, your failure, your blunders, delete it. You stand like it never happened. Then if people are there, ah, you stop them out. By faith. Your silence. Are you a lion? <laughs> Supernatural. You want a business? You want a contract? You want a job? You want a date? And somebody's trying to talk something like a lion. Roar. By faith. 
Stop lion's mouth. Oh, Lord. Let's read next. We've got to stop now. We're going to stop now. They quench the violence of fire. They escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness. Out of weakness. Not apart from weakness. Not without weakness. They were in weakness. Then they applied their faith. They activated their faith. Their faith lifted them out of Then they become strong. So faith is bringing you out of weakness. Out of weakness. To become strong. They became valiant in battle. The longer they fought, the stronger they become. That's what faith does. That's what great faith does. That's what kingdom faith does. That's why it can subdue kingdom. You, you wear out the enemies. In whatever form or shape. They turn to fly the armies of the islands. Of the islands. Uh-huh. 35. You've got to stop. 35. Move it. Pity. Next verse. He's enjoying it too. Women receive their dead. Raise women. So it's, it's not gender sensitive. Women are stronger in faith. When all the apostles ran to hide because they don't want the Roman soldiers to wrap them up and kill them like Jesus. Women went out in the morning. Women received their dead back to life. Again. Some were tortured, not accepting deliverance because they wanted a better resurrection. So, great faith is beyond restoration. It's for resurrection. So tomorrow we're going to see, because we can't deal with that tonight, how to use that faith to possess the kingdom of heaven. Now. <laughs> Come on, let's rise up. Let's praise the Lord. From faith to faith. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www dot every nation midrand dot org